You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast, brought to you by NBA 2K24. Myself, Moments here alongside me, as always, is the three-time NBA champion and our weekly guest every Monday, <laughs> Mr. Scott Perry, parking lot Perry, GM extraordinaire. <laughs> How you guys been? Had a good weekend? Had a great weekend, Mo. I was waiting when you were gonna come with the parking lot. I thought hey, you come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> BJ, how you been, brother? It's all good. It's all good. You know, Scott was shooting for the parking lot before we knew what it was, so he was ahead of his time. <laughs> <laughs> he was way ahead of his time, Mo. Uh, he, we he got that green light, bro. He got that green light. Oh no, he had the purple light, Mo. He had the purple <laughs> light. <laughs> oh, purple light's crazy, BJ. Don't be going to Europe and saying purple light. That's crazy. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'll warn you on that, but uh... <laughs> but uh, you know, this season we saw the wrap up of the in season tournament. The Lakers once again proving they're unstoppable when it comes to games not held home or away on normal NBA courts. Uh, Anthony Davis, another fantastic display in the final. LeBron James, absolutely dominant, and he won the MVP. Uh, BJ, I told you uh, last week or the week before that this is how it's going to go. The Lakers will win. Yes, you did. LeBron yes, will win MVP, did. and when he retires, they're going to name it the LeBron James Trophy. I told you the scripts, and we saw it play out. Um, but I wanted to know from you guys, after the first year, obviously there's a few teething problems the first year, but what were your takeaways from the in-season tournament? Did you see this as a success, and how do you think it could be improved? First of all, I thought it was a huge win all the way around for all the stakeholders involved with this, from the, the league itself, um, the players, coaches, and the fans. I mean, people really got behind this thing. And I initially, uh, I was skeptical that there was going to be buy-in from both the player side and the fan side. But it far exceeded any expectation that I had uh, for this tournament in the inaugural season. I think the play on the court reflected that. The the level of effort and intensity was definitely playoff caliber type basketball. The fan engagement, especially in the in the home venues, you know, I, what game really sticks out in my mind was that uh, Pacer home game against the uh, the Celtics. It really you know, don't remind me, Scott. Television. Don't remind me. Exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the, 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 the energy really came through the television in that game. And yeah. I mean, it, it made that was a special moment, I thought, for the tournament. I, now, obviously, once they got to Las Vegas in the final four, that was a big deal itself. But uh, no, I, I think this thing uh, got off to a terrific start and it's cemented itself as uh, a, a part of the NBA season moving forward. And I think there'll be a lot of great moments of basketball that lies, lies ahead. Well, you mentioned that Pacers game and the energy was electric in that home game for the Pacers, right? However, when it came to the semifinals and the finals in Las Vegas, you know, the NBA was pushing a huge big deal. Oh, they're going to Vegas. They're going to Vegas. The crowd was awful. I mean, they said that they had a sold out crowd. It felt like there was about 300 people in the building. It felt like there was no atmosphere. Um, it was very disappointing. So, PJ, I wanted to know if you think having a neutral location for the semifinals and the finals was the right call and having it in Las Vegas. And do you think in the future it'd be better to go back to having it in actual NBA arenas? Because unlike, you know, football competitions, soccer competitions that they tried to model it on, you know, when it's the Champions League final, when it's the FA Cup final, you have supporters of both teams. They travel to the game 
to, for the final to show their support. Whereas this, there was so little time between the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Even if fans wanted to, it was largely impossible for them to get to Vegas to see this play out. So you had an arena filled with almost Laker fans, but kind of just general sports fans, I guess. What were your thoughts on that? Well, Mo, with that, my my initial thought was when you have teams and they're playing in an atmosphere like that, right? If you have it at one of the team's home court, they'll have a significant advantage. Mm -hmm. So I think this is the right call to have in a neutral location. However, as the fans get adjusted to the scheduling of this new tournament, because as Scott mentioned here, you know, we didn't know how this was going to play out. You know, change is a very difficult thing for a lot of things, right? The players had to get adjusted, the coaches, the fans, you know, us here as people who cover the game, we all are getting adjusted here. So now that we have a visual, we can plan accordingly to participate, seeing, you know, which team is going to make it, so forth and so on. I mean, there is a quick turnaround. So I don't know what's the expectations because, you know, it's like one and done. It's kind of like, here we have a version of that called the NCAA tournament, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone can now plan to go to the final four. However, your team, by the way, Mo has to make it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. But so, like in football, there's like at least two weeks that you have between the semifinal and the final, for example. Yes. So yes. there's enough time to fly, it's accommodation and all of that kind of stuff. But I think, it, but, I, but overall... And, and know, also, just, just to jump in, the NBA ended up selling tickets for like 25% off just before the game. They hadn't sold out the game in advance. They were trying to get rid of the tickets to fill out the arena before the game right. started. I think, too, I just want to – another one of the challenges will be if you're trying to host it, let's say the semifinal and the, and the final in like a, a, an arena of the teams that's play, that are playing, logistically being able to get the building – uh, becomes an issue, you know, especially when you're trying to weave it into the regular season like that. There may not be availability on those days. Uh, but it brings up another thought for me, too, when talking about maybe a change, maybe there's uh, an idea that uh, will eventually rotate it. It won't always have to be in Las Vegas. You know, kind of like the, the NBA is going to start doing, the NFL has been doing this, how they rotate the draft every year. So maybe you... Uh, the NBA has a you know different location for the All Star game every year, so maybe you you start building this thing and have cities build uh, uh, bid on this tournament, this in season tournament, and uh, you rotate it around. That way, teams, fan bases can prepare each year. Okay, if our team makes it to the NC tournament semifinals or finals, we're going to be playing in Los Angeles or we're going to be playing in Miami, wherever the case may be. So that's just another thought uh, towards, yeah. uh, towards the challenge. I think the, the thought from the NBA is that eventually this can go international. They could be hosting the final of the in-season tournament in Saudi Arabia, for example. But I thought of you guys while I was watching the games. Um, someone tweeted, this feels like I'm watching a Pistons game, a blue and red court with barely any fans in attendance. And I thought, should I send this into the group chat or are these guys going to be too mad? <laughs> well, Mo, Mo's hitting low this morning, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We gave him, we gave him a, we gave him a, 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 a we gave him a, a nice, 
Yeah, we, we were pleasant with him with the Celtics, you know, when they lost exactly. there. To, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think one of the biggest wins of the in-season tournament, though, is for a team like the Indiana Pacers. They don't get on national TV so much. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is a young star in the NBA, but unless you really follow the NBA, you might not know him. And now this has kind of put him on the map. And it's showing you how great for a small market team like the Pacers this can be. And so I wanted today to talk about the Indiana Pacers and how they're set up to improve for the future, because we saw in that final, the Lakers did a great job of throwing two defenders at Tyrese Halliburton, not allowing him to get into his flow and play his game. And then making it very tough. Every shot he was taking was contested by a bigger defender. And he couldn't really even find those smooth passing lanes he usually finds because they're throwing two at him and the Lakers are a big athletic team. So looking at the Pacers and their roadmap to kind of improving, it's clear that they need almost a second star to go alongside Tyrese Halliburton. There was a lot of talk this week about how many guys in the NBA would want to play with him. You know, JJ Redick and the likes of that on ESPN were all talking about how much guys around the league love playing with him. So looking at the Pacers, they have the lowest payroll in the NBA. They have 9.7 million right now in cap space to absorb salary in a potential trade. They've got 14 players earning between two and $22 million. So you can package those guys together in trade deals. They've got five tradable first round picks, 10 tradable second round picks, and the potential to have max cap room in 2024 in free agency. There's talk this week that the Pacers are looking for a big athletic two-way wing that can come in and join them. So the names like Pascal Siakam, Oji Ananobi spring to mind, obviously, with expiring contracts from Toronto. But Scott, as the GM extraordinaire of this podcast, if you were in charge of the Indiana Pacers, what would you be looking to do? Would you be looking to make a trade in season or see how far you can go with this group and save that max cap space for next summer? Well, first of all, you know, when you're an executive of a team like this, that you you build a young team like the Pacers have, uh, it's important to be playing meaningful basketball throughout the entire season. And so this in-season tournament provided um, an early look into what they have. I mean, they, the team played well throughout the tournament. Uh, last night's game uh, revealed that uh, maybe they don't have the necessary interior physicality that's mm. needed to play uh, playoff basketball. So again, but this we're at the first um, benchmark of it. Uh, I think what you're going, what I would be doing is finding out who are the long term keepers this year. I would be studying that closely. The, the beautiful thing for them is that they have, and BJ knows this, the toughest position in basketball, in my uh, opinion, the field, the lead guard position. They have one in-house. And so it makes it a lot easier to build uh, from that point. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the the amount of cap space that they could potentially have, but then again, now you're sacrificing a lot of players that are currently on this team. Uh, in my opinion, um, the their best path forward probably would be utilizing the assets like you said and looking to trade to get uh, the necessary additions to this basketball team to help them make the next step forward. Again, we're only 20 games into the season. Um, we don't know how far this team can go. So I think this next quarter of the season this next 20 games will be important in evaluating that again uh like i mentioned <clears throat> the physicality of yesterday i'm sure um 
you know, raised some eyebrows and, and, but they may have already known that, that they are going to need to address that. You know, you talked about a big physical wing. I also uh, would think that they could use an additional frontline player uh, that could play uh, a physical brand of basketball to back up a Miles Turner as well. So a uh, lot of options there in a tremendous position, uh, as I see it. I mean, so this, I think this organization is really in place, uh, in position very well to uh, become, you know, a, a perennial um, factor in the Eastern Conference uh, as the, the the playoffs shake out, and uh, they they have they have the potential to to have a sustainable run coming up, you know, over the next six, seven, eight years. What what was the glaring theme for me in watching this game? And I agree with what you said, Scott. You want to have your young team, especially a team like this who didn't make the playoffs a year ago, be playing meaningful basketball. Check. I think they've exceeded that because they were playing perhaps coming into the final game, maybe better than anyone up until this point, up until last night. But there was a glaring thing that, really stood out to me more than any other aspect of the game last night was Anthony Davis dominated the interior play on both ends of the court. Okay. To take a page out of coach Ime Adoka, they were the more physical team without question. No, <laughs> they were that it wasn't, it wasn't like Anthony Davis had an exceptional game. He was the more physical player on both ends of the court. Okay, and I don't, you know, Anthony Davis is what I would call a, you know, he is a vertical athlete. He blocks shots. He, and, you know, he can contest at the rim. However, I, I haven't seen Anthony Davis play with that level of physicality in quite some time. He no was question. without question. Okay. Mm -hmm. So with that, I think the Pacers now are looking and have, they have to say, with the exception of Miles Turner, they're going to have to get bigger. Because any time Miles Turner's was out of the game, they were back basically playing small ball. That was the first thing that was glaring to me. The second thing was the backup point guard. Now, I know the other kid. Um, Andrew Nemhard. Nemhard. Yeah, Andrew Nemhard. He, he was out. He, he was out last night. So you could see, because he is a terrific perimeter defender, along with being another. He, he's done a great job on LeBron James, and every time he's seen him so you know, far. They missed him. So I think you can see how much pressure that put on Halliburton to perform and perform well. And he didn't have one of his better games. Now, in addition to that, the thing that I was most interested in as a lead guard, and I really look at that position, was what was the adjustments that Halliburton was going to make? Because Anthony Davis is an exceptional perimeter defender. He perhaps is one of, if he's not the best, he's one of the best at switching, doubling because of his activity level of being able to do that, right? We saw what he was able to do against players like Steph Curry, Jamal Murray. I mean, he's seen, so this isn't a new thing for him. He's been around in this league and he has the versatility to get out there and cause some havoc. So give Anthony Davis credit and the team credit and they kept fresh big bodies on him. I mean, Cam Reddish, they kept those guys on him, Torian Prince, those are big athletic bodies along with the verticality of an Anthony Davis. So the Pacers got a chance to see that. But if I were the Pacers, I would really, really address the interior play. Why? Because the game, as we all know, as you advance in the playoffs, 
it gets more physical. The game slows down and you have to be able to rebound and control the painted area. Anthony Davis dominated them. I they mean, were, he had they were 40... out-rebounded. Yeah, they were out-rebounded 55 yeah, no, to I, 32. So and everyone Anthony Davis is, had 20 I, boards. Yeah, yeah. everyone <laughs> is, will be talking about... Every, and I'll let you guys go. Everyone will be talking about getting a star player and all those things. However, no. you, you got to meet the physicality of the game, okay? Yeah. And they didn't do that. However, they did continue to play through it, but you could see mm -hmm. the glaring weakness that they had. Yeah, no, they, they did continue to play hard, but yeah, like we, we, you said, and I totally agree, the physicality, you know, it, it was it was a difference. It was glaring. And uh, again, that and Anthony Davis, the way he was initiating the physicality, yes. uh, you know, something we hadn't seen because just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you saw him play against Joel Embiid and you didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, but but you, yesterday, I mean, he brought it and he he big time. You know, if the Lakers get that Anthony Davis on a consistent basis. Now they're talking about uh, yeah. I mean, it was really almost bully ball. It was exactly. yeah, dog, the no Lakers question. bullied yeah. them because if yeah. you look at no, if did. you look at the game, right, the Lakers mm -hmm. were just destroying them inside the paint. Now, mm -hmm. actually, one, one question I got for you both: saying this is PJ Armstrong, who's a prolific three point shooter in his NBA career, and Parking Lot Perry, who can shoot. Parking Lot Perry. No, Parking Lot Perry is the only prolific shooter on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. BJ, BJ, is in NBA record books for three point shooting. So exactly, I have not. So, so, so <laughs> one thing that that someone from inside the arena said was that it was freezing cold inside the building in Vegas last night, and that was the reason. I mean, the Pacers they went uh, ten of forty one from three, and the Lakers went two of thirteen for three. So. I don't know if that's a record in NBA regular season for low three-point shooting, but do you think that's a factor in that three-ball getting knocked down, guys just being extremely cold temperature-wise? Uh, I'm going to let BJ take that one first before I jump in there. Well, you know what? You know, as an ex-shooter, you know, mm -hmm. Scott, I, I really focus in on FGAs. Most guys focus in on FGMs, you know, what mm -hmm. they make. Yeah. Hey, I was going to get them up, whether it was cold, hot, or what have you. Now, when I did have consecutive misses, I always look for the for for the consult for the the people where the reader said, "Are you sure you made you got the rims at the correct height?" Because I know the jumper was good. That's how I felt. Exactly. Now, uh, now it was it was late in like the second half when the Lakers had made their first three. Mm -hmm. So you know, I thought that was interesting, especially in today's game. But you know, guys are playing hard. I mean, yes, Scott knows when guys are giving that level of effort on the defensive end. I mean, that says something. You know what was interesting, guys? And Scott and I, we, you know, we both grew up playing in this place called St. Cecilia. And there was a tradition there where you picked up 94 feet. And Scott, I can't remember the last time I've seen an NBA team. Doing, I know they call it the in-season tournament, but the regular season where they were actually picking up 94 feet last night. You, you know what? I thought you're exactly right. And we got to give credit to one person for that too, Darvin Ham. Yes, I think Coach Darvin Ham, man, you know, that's who he was as a player: yep. physical, aggressive, you know, defended. You know, he was a high-level competitor. You know, he was part mm -hmm. of our Pistons group that uh, won the championship in '04, 
And he, you can see now that his personality and his approach to playing is starting to flow throughout his basketball team, right. uh, especially with the young guys. I mean, we you look at a guy like Cam Reddish now and the way he is playing. He has an identity now, Scott. He, he has an identity and he's accepted it and embraced it. And it's almost like that that uh, he's proud of it. You know, I hadn't seen this side. And D'Angelo Russell before. talking trash to Bruce Brown from the team. <laughs> he, he was talking, he was he was scoring on him. He said, yeah. I remember Bruce Brown early in the game picked up a second foul. He points at him, he says that's two already. And then when yeah, Bruce yeah. Brown goes to the bench, he's pointing at him every time he scores. Like and, and and the move that he made, you know, a few weeks ago about putting Austin Reeves back with the second unit, second unit right. I thought was an excellent coaching decision. It allowed him to regain his confidence. He kind of runs the second unit group, can score, but yet they'd still have him uh, in position to close out games with the starting group. And I just think this has really helped this basketball team. So I think we'd be remiss by not recognizing Saginaw's finest, Darvin Ham, you know, in terms of helping get uh, establishing an identity for the Lakers of trying to become that more physical, aggressive defensive team. Well, you can yeah, see it from the jump. As soon as the game started, the Lakers were saying, okay, you guys want to play up and down. We're going to match your pace. Now, the mm -hmm. difference is the Lakers were matching that pace, but they were going inside to score in the paint, whereas the Pacers are playing with, with pace, but they're looking for outside shots. And when those shots aren't falling, I think that's why a lot of the conversation now is about adding a second star so that they would have the opportunity to slow it down and get into a half-court kind of setting. So, you, you know, one last point I want to make um, and BJ, you, you, I, you hear him talk about it all the time, the importance of defense in winning championships. Coming into the game last night, the number one ranked offensive team in the tournament games, Indiana Pacers. Number one ranked defensive team, Los Angeles Lakers in those mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. Who won the basketball game? <laughs> you know, as my, you know, when, when you think about it, again, it's you know, it's one game. It's not a a, a series of seven, but the importance of being able to, to defend uh, still exists in this game, and it still is very um, key when it, when you're talking about winning and winning championships. When when you plan against a high powered offensive team like the Pacers, and over the years we've seen teams like this right whether it was the golden state warriors the most recent team um the phoenix golden state Suns. warriors yeah the, the phoenix, phoenix Suns, the golden Nash. state when i remember playing against run tmc mm. in our era and all of those teams who the denver nuggets and all those teams there's one thing that you always try to do and all good teams understand this when you're playing against a high-powered offensive team who plays at that pace which the Pacers do, and they do an ex excellent job. It's two things you do. You don't settle for jump shots. And you try to get to the free throw line so that you can always have your defense set up. And clearly, clearly the Lakers made a effort to play the more physical game to not settle for just the first available shot. It, it was clear to me that. So give Darvin Ham and his staff credit Give the Lakers credit for executing that because let me tell you something. LeBron James was putting his head down last night. It was it was very clear that they had a game plan mm -hmm. that they were going to drive mm -hmm. that ball to the basket 
and they wanted to get to the free throw line, which allowed them to get their transition defense set up. Okay. Because when teams play fast like that, like you see, like last year, for instance, I'll give an example, the Sacramento Kings, they were the fastest team in the NBA. However, you can see the way to beat them is you got to force them to defend, get to the free throw line so you can take away those easy, you know, what they call it, pace and space baskets or whatever it is they're doing out there. And that was an effort that you can see that the Lakers played with last night, and they did an excellent job. For the Pacers, I want to throw a couple of names out there and get your guys' thoughts on how these guys would fit with this group. A popular name that people talk about is Pascal Siakam on the Toronto Raptors currently. Do you think that he's a guy that the Pacers should go for? I, I, mean, I, if, I, I, I like it. I, I let you go, yeah. Scott. I like yeah, no, their, I like your team. Obi Toppin, to me, fills that need. I want to see the growth of Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin is athletic. He gets up and down. He's, a, he's an active athlete. So I want to see what he's going to be, what he's going to turn out to be, because I think he only has upside moving forward. You can see the growth, in my opinion, just from a year ago. You can see that he is really fitting in into this group, and he's beginning to blossom as a player. If there's a thing, if there's something that really, that I see they need, I'll just say it again, is they need a big who can play with a level of physicality. Do you have any names in mind? Well, I mean, you know, when I think of physical athletes, you know, like you could see player, you know, like who are they going to give up? Like, first of all, I think it's going to be hard for them to make a decision right now. Why? Because if you're going to get a player, you got to give up a player. Now, Mm -hmm. I don't know who they're going to settle in on their core group. Everyone starts to say, oh, this team is good. They're just going to add players already to it. Well, that's not how it works. As Scott can can share with you, if you're going to get a good player, you got to give up a good player. <laughs> okay. Right. So and right now, I don't know who that player is that they need to give up at this, at this particular moment, because right now they're still finding their identity because yeah. this isn't, this isn't a finished product by no stretch of the imagination. They're only going to get better as time goes on. Now who they're going to decide to keep, Hey, that's a big decision because they've put together a nice team, in my opinion, that has gone from not making the playoffs to suddenly now they're one of the better teams or in the upper echelon at the first half of the season. You know, as we close, as we're approaching the first mm-hmm. half of the season, they're one of the better teams. So I think they are ahead of schedule right now. And, you know, that's and this team, too, doesn't get talked about a lot, but they, they're going 10 deep, too. Mm-hmm. Pacers are 10 deep. Eight guys are averaging double figures. So uh, I'm in agreement with BJ. Let's watch them the next 20 games. You know, I I don't think you're ready to jump the gun and say player A or player B is the best fit to go with this basketball team because they're still very young and they're they're still being molded into who they're going to become as NBA players. You know, BJ mentioned Obi Toppin, man, and and, uh, Obi looks great. He is a perfect fit. To play with a guy like Halliburton because Obi runs the floor and, as and well as in, in, in any forward league. Right. Yeah. Yes, yes. We and drafted him in uh in New York. He can run the floor as well as any forward in the NBA. And the way they want to play with that kind of speed and pace, you need bigs who can really run the floor. So he he fulfills that for him. So uh I'm not ready to place any said player there yet. I want to see him this next 20 games mm-hmm. coming out of this tournament 
and and uh, get back to this normal NBA grind, if you will, and, and see how they fare. Yeah, and, and Obi Toppin's three-point shooting is coming along nicely as well, mm -hmm. which is a huge win for that team. Um, a player I like to see there is OG Ananobi. He went to college in Indiana, and he brings that defense, that toughness. He can do a little bit on offense as well. But I know Paul George must have been at home thinking about a potential reunion in Indiana. So <laughs> we'll keep an eye on how free agency goes next summer. Um, but a team that the Indiana Pacers knocked out on their way to the finals of the in-season tournament is the Milwaukee Bucks. And following the elimination of the Milwaukee Bucks by the Indiana Pacers in the in-season tournament, it was reported that Bobby Portis, Portis, sorry, BJ, <laughs> I don't know why it is that. But, but well, Scott, Scott, got him. Scott, what's the correct name for Bobby's last name? Portis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beside Bobby I, when I was in New York, Bobby Portis. I'll give you the French, yeah. Portis. It is Bobby <laughs> Portis. Um, but, but he reportedly passionately challenged head coach Adrian Griffin. So the report says that Adrian Griffin entered the locker room and began harping on the importance of winning the rebounding battle. The Pacers out-rebounded the Bucks 51-46. to which is also interesting given what we spoke about, you know, about the physicality. They managed to do a great job against Giannis, but it was just wasn't enough against the Lakers. But Bobby Portis scored four points on just five shots in a near low season 18 minutes, quickly interjected and stressed how essential it is for Griffin to structure the offense down the stretch of games. Now, should the Bucks be concerned about Adrian Griffin? Because a few things have happened now this season. The first thing was Terry Stotts. Uh, leaving the team because he was um, you had the incident with him in practice where he wasn't respecting coach Griffin. And then we've had the players deciding they want to revert to drop coverage instead of Adrian Griffin's defensive scheme that he was trying to implement that didn't get off to a great start. And now you have reports of Bobby Portis going at Adrian Griffin and telling him what he needs to do down a stretch of games. Should this be a concern for the Milwaukee Bucks? Cause it is Adrian Griffin's first year here as a head coach. Um, do they need someone with a little bit more experience if they're going to get this thing together? First of all, I've known Adrian Griffin for a long time. Traded for him when I was in Seattle. Uh, worked with him when he was an assistant coach when I was an executive uh, with Orlando. Good man, passionate man about the about the game. So happy that he, you know, has received this opportunity to become a head coach. Now, with that. When you hire a first-time head coach, you know, a guy who had been an assistant his entire career, and you bring him from outside of your building, uh, secondly, it's no different than a, a rookie basketball player. It's going to take time. He's got to – he is learning his voice. He is learning – you know, when, when I was a coach – when I went from uh, in college from an assistant to a head coach, they used to say, that is a long – 12 inches over from being an assistant to a head coach because you're going from making suggestions to decisions. And that takes a little time. The unfortunate thing for Adrian and the, and the Bucks that they have a team that is in win-now mode. It's championship or bust for them based mm -hmm. on all of the moves that they they've made. Yeah, normally a guy in Adrian's position is going to a, a, a team or a franchise that is building. It just come off a lot of losing and now just they're looking to get an infusion of energy from uh, this new coach. So it's incumbent upon Adrian, you know, his, his learning curve has to happen that much faster. Bobby Portis. I know Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is a, is a highly competitive guy and he is all about the team. So I wouldn't read a ton into 
words after a game like that, look, emotions run high. They, Bobby knows, that, you know, Bobby's won a championship there in, in uh, Milwaukee, wants to win another one. You know, Adrian, I know, is feeling the the pressure and the, the lofty expectations of, hey, we've got to get back there to win another championship. So the two of them know that they're going to have to work through this quicker. Uh, I mean, uh, with with some quickness now, uh, they ha I think they're currently uh, tied for second in the Eastern Conference, but they're not playing the level of basketball, especially on the defensive end. And that was always Adrian's calling card, both as a player and as an assistant coach. So that's been a little bit of a mystery as why they haven't been defending as well. Some will point to some of the obvious with uh, Drew Holiday, uh, the Drew Holiday trade, now that he was gone because he was their be bo uh, best point of attack defender. And he's no longer there. So I think uh, in the perimeter, the guard positions, they're not as strong defensively right now. And so it's going to be incumbent upon uh, Adrian to get the most out of the, the personnel there and schematically be able to create some things that maybe improve them as a, 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 a team uh, defensively. You know, I, I'm... There's a, there is a prevailing philosophy... And we are so fortunate here to have an extraordinary general manager like Scott Perry here on our show. You shout praise and you whisper criticism. And just to remind all of our listeners here who rock with us here on our show. But Scott understands this better than you and I, Mo. After a game. The last thing you do <laughs> is you start criticizing the players <laughs> because the emotions are at its peak level. Now, Scott understands that there are some things you probably want to address, whatever that may be, because we all know the expectations of this group. This is a championship or bus situation here. No question. One of the things that you have to learn, which I think the Pacers, uh, not the Pacers, the Bucks, I don't know what was said, which escalated this conversation. However, these are the type of conversations that veteran teams often do the following. What time is the bus? Let's get back home. To have a good night in Vegas. <laughs> and oh, no, this we'll was in Milwaukee, the game, the game with the Bucks. The, the the Bucks and the Pacers was in Vegas. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have a nice night and let's address this to whatever the corrections that's needed. Because what we know is defensively, this team is lacking right now. Okay. Bobby Portis, for better or for worse, however you want to look at it. Now he has won a championship and he's seen what it takes. He's done it. He's been there. He understands that. Okay. We also know as veteran executives that when you see players begin to take ownership of the group, that's the number one thing you want. So what Bobby did is what you want. However, timing is of the essence when you start talking about where things go, it can go, it can go right. 
or it can go left. So with this group right now, there has to be a fine balance because here's the one thing that I've never been in. I've never been on a championship level team where there hasn't been conflict. No question. There has to be conflict. Conflict is essential to the success of the group. And we have to have what's called truth tellers in this group. Unfortunately, now, when someone tells the truth now, it's always looked as a negative thing. I've never been on a championship caliber team where we didn't hold each other accountable. And it will never happen. So whatever happened in that locker room, to me, was excellent because it was brought to light, right? We all know you got to execute down the stretch. We all know if we're going to play defense and rebounding is the final component to being a good defensive team because if you don't, you allow the other team to get the rebound, you're still on defense. So whatever was said and whoever said it, let's address it because this could go one or two ways. Either that will be a defining moment for this team, the Milwaukee Bucks, and they were talking about the turn of their season or it will be a moment that suddenly people will be in denial about and act like it didn't happen. Either way, we know that if they're going to be a championship caliber team, they're going to have to defend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. And we know that they're going to need a buy-in from this team to hold themselves accountable. Now we're going to put all of the say what, you know, Adrian Griffin so forth and so on. Okay. That's fine. You accept that responsibility, but the first responsibility has to be those guys in that uniform. And those guys got to hold each other accountable. So I like it when there's conflict, because to me, that says something about the group. And right now, we can all agree on this. They are underachieving from what we expect this team, this current version of this team to be at the moment. If you were saying what we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Now, they have time to turn it around. Clearly, they have players who are experienced. I don't think there's a need to panic. We can put place the blame wherever we want to place it. However, this group right now has the expectations. And I like the fact that there's been a little, you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable right now. I like that. That says something yeah. about the group. That says something about the basketball character of this group. They care. So right. I love it. Yeah, no. I, I and, and let me, I'll just add one quick thing to that because I, I totally agree. You'd rather... And this is in life too, not just basketball. I'd rather bring something to the surface. If there's an issue, if I have a problem and put it out in the open so that we can deal with it. One thing that will kill teams, and I've seen it, you know, during my 24 year journey in the NBA, you know, working in this game at at this level is when silos start getting created. People are afraid to say something out loud, but they go Mm -hmm. talk to their buddy over in the corner or they go confide in the trainer or they go confide in, you know, an assistant coach and then you have all, all the media, whoever it may be. And so that will start, that invariably will chip away and eat away uh, the fabric of your foundation there. And it will make it almost impossible for you to become a uh, winning basketball team. So I, I agree with BJ that look, this, this is a moment for them probably was needed Mm-hmm. And let's see how the Bucks respond moving forward. Absolutely. We're going to see. And, and that brings us to my favorite part of the show where we talk about which team or which player we're going to be focusing in on this week as we look ahead in the NBA. Um, for me, 
it has to be the Lakers to see do they carry the momentum of this in-season tournament win in back into the 82 game regular season or are they going to party too hard in Vegas and now go on kind of a little slide and rest up a little bit because right now they're fifth in the West 14 and 9 but the Western Conference you're, you're only two games ahead of the 11th spot so you lose the next two games other teams win you go from fifth down to 10th right so the team I'm looking at this week is the Lakers can Anthony Davis could springboard off that huge performance and dominate throughout the regular season go and get that defense player of the year put himself in MVP talks or is this going to be oh well we've won the in-season tournament we know we can play when when the pressure is on so now we can coast through the regular season just make it in and then we'll figure out the rest in the, in the spring um so the Lakers wow. are the team I'm looking at who do you guys – what do you guys think no. about that for the Lakers? Do you think this is going to – I, I want to say something real quick and then give it to you guys. I think this play-in thing has – could have some, some some backlash because, Scott, those guys were playing extremely hard, in my opinion, right. for a regular season game. Right. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. you put the travel in. I think everyone starts again to play in tomorrow, right? I think – Yes, I, tomorrow. Yep, okay. Right, yep. mm-hmm. I yeah, you know, Scott, no games I, I, on Sunday, I'm not saying Monday. you don't play, I'm not saying you don't play hard during the 82 game schedule, but we both know that there is a rhythm and a level that you play with in an 82 game schedule. And this tournament was a different level. Yeah, I yeah. want to see these guys how they're going to recuperate and recover because the other teams have just been kind of sitting back, they should have fresh legs. So to me, there could be a little, you know, a little layover, a little having to regroup because Anthony Davis and LeBron oh. James, oh, they, they was playing hard. For the Pistons, I mean, they got a tough Monday night. They've got the Pistons, uh, the Pacers, yeah, the Pacers the Pistons. Do. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, you we'll know, see. they can ease back into their schedule. The Lakers don't play again until Tuesday where they face the Dallas Mavericks. So, it's going to be interesting. Scott, what do you think about this? Is this going to be great for their momentum and they can just now go in and crush teams through the regular season? Or is it going to take a little bit of wind out of their sails? Well, I, I, no, I, I don't know that they'll uh, crush teams per se, but I, I think for the young guys on the team, it was a confidence builder. And I think LeBron tried to use it as a teachable moment for the group about what it's going to take to be good in the playoffs. So I think that, you know, he will be able to adjust, you know, what has gone on in this in-season tournament. And I think they're going to need his leadership now coming out of that to get guys back, you know, focused until, like BJ talks about, the rhythm of the 82-game season. Now, but I'm going to give you a different team. Mm -hmm. And this team was not in the Final Four of the in-season tournament that I'm following, you know. And I I like to spread this thing around uh, because I like to – to really, you know, study all 30 teams. And I've landed on the Cleveland Cavaliers for this week. Uh-huh. And here's why. First, this was a team that made additions in the offseason, felt, uh, you know, after the playoffs uh, series against the Knicks last year, uh, where they lost 4-1. They added some shooting. They felt they I, I like, I like how Scott shooting. puts that in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I had to add that. I had wow. to add that. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> So they, they wanted to add some perimeter shooting. They did that with George Niang, Max Struess. Yep. And they've gotten off to a relatively slow start this season because they were expected, you know, 
because they finished in fourth place last year in the regular season. And I think the feeling was they need to move up the ladder even more this regular season. Mm -hmm. uh, that hasn't happened. Currently yet. six. Not yet. Yeah, currently six. But they won the last three. And they've got a big week ahead. You've got uh, they're at Orlando, who's in currently in second place, tied for second place. And then they're at your mode, first place Celtics on a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. So now they're going to be playing uh, the current elite of the Eastern Conference. How are they going to respond? You know, how is that? Because uh, um, they haven't shot the ball particularly well from three yet as a team. The last few games they have. But uh, I think Donovan Mitchell's numbers are down as well as um, Darius Garland in terms of the three-point shooting percentages. So are they ready to make, you know, that ascension up the ladder of the Eastern Conference or are they going to still be kind of uh, stuck in neutral, with they, which uh, I see them as being uh, uh, to this point early in the season. So I'm going to watch them closely. Big week ahead for that uh, basketball team. BJ, we all know your thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers and your trademark of Evan Mobley needs to be the best player on his team if they're going to succeed. So mm-hmm. we're going to skip right past that because our listeners <laughs> have heard that 101 times. Which is the team or the player you're going to be looking at this week? Well, believe it or not, guys, I, I, I've... And don't say Detroit, it, it, please. No, please. no. <laughs> well, well, Detroit is always there. Believe it or not, because I, I, I think up until recently... You know, those L.A. Clippers, they've been sort of a disappointment since this James Harden trade and what they've done. I mean, here's a team that's put together. I mean, when you look at their books and the commitment they have financially, you're saying, I mean, no doubt they've pushed all of their chips to the middle of the table. They've quietly gone about their way throughout all of this. And I think they're like one game now or two games above 500. And they've just kind of methodically going about doing what they do and they've won a few games here lately and you know they are a team that i expected prior to the trade to be pretty good (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden once they make the trade they were just awful i mean there's no way around it they were really bad right for a number of reasons right you know, I mean, you, you can't miss training camp and do all of those things and expect anything less. This is the NBA. However, they seem like they've kind of found something here. And now I don't want to get too far ahead, but those are really good players. You talk about Paul George. You talk about Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. And for whatever reason, you know, over the last week or so, you know, you're saying – they're playing more with more consistency, with better energy, and they seem to have found a little rhythm. So I'm going to be interested to kind of watch them now, look like James Harden is rounding into shape, look like James Harden has settled in as the lead guard, and they found a little rhythm. And it's going to be interesting to me to see as we head here to, right around Christmas, I want to see what this team is really all about. I think this is a big week that they have coming up. Uh, to play, but I, I like the fact they were, I think they were like ninth or 10th now or somewhere around there mm-hmm. uh, that they've just kind of, they're easing up the, uh, easing up the, the rankings here, moving up the ladder. And, and before you know it, a couple wins here, there, they're back in mm-hmm. into the playoff yeah. hunt. So uh, yeah. that's a team that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on. Well, James I think, I think, starts to look more comfortable. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. Yeah. No, no. And I think that uh, 
that win that they had at home come from behind win against Golden State. Yes. I think that kind of triggered uh, their play here as of late. Um, you know, that, that was a big time win for them and a tough loss for Golden State. You know, mm-hmm. We haven't talked about we, we may have to save them to, to next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have, exactly. to. We're gonna have a lot yeah. to talk about next week as well because yeah. I think we're coming up on the 25 game mark, and we all know what that means. BJ yes. Armstrong, they were saying in the Discord, they were saying in the Discord, I can't wait till the 25 game mark because then we can finally hear what BJ mm. thinks about all these teams <laughs> for real. Yeah. So, yes. you know, we've got that, and then before you know it, guys, in two weeks, it's the Christmas Day games, so the season right. is flying by because after that, it's gonna be all star, and then. And then the playoffs are going to be right here around the corner. So you guys at home, you need to lock in with the Hoop Genius podcast. Make sure you subscribe across YouTube, Spotify, Apple. You can check out Scott. He's on ESPN throughout the week. Um, mm. Doing various big time things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sports center. He's sports yes, center. He's everywhere. He's, everywhere. <laughs> oh, no, he's on a run right now. He's on a run right now. But you can tap in with me and BJ every day, Monday to Friday, right here on the Hoop Genius podcast. Appreciate both of you fellas. And um, if you guys enjoy listening to the show, you can join our Discord community by hitting the link in the description where you can have great conversations with other fantastic NBA fans. Until next time, you guys know the vibes. Get buckets. Peace.